You're listening. No. You're listening to the Buns.com Podcast Network. (laughs) (laughs) Buns, buns, buns. Hey guys, friends, welcome to another episode of the Crypto Canucks cast. This week, we have Tangem. What is Tangem? Well, they're similar to banknotes, but instead of a normal banknote, they carry a fixed amount of cryptocurrency. Think of it like a $5 bill, but in crypto style. How is this different than a cold store wallet? Well, I mean, they're meant to exchange hands with people. They're meant to be sort of freely exchanged the same way that you would exchange cash. You would never really give somebody a cold store wallet just like that. Anyway, I'm not explaining it very well, but I'll let the people from Tangent explain it better. Here's the interview. Hey, Buns. Welcome to the Crypto Canucks cast, where we talk everything crypto. I'm here with Andrew from Tangem. Andrew, I'm going to let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what it is you and your company does. Sure. Uh, hello, everyone. And uh, uh, Tangem is a hardware technology company, and basically with uh, our um, highly secure hardware. Our primary goal is to make crypto extremely easy for, um, I guess, billions of people who always wanted to try it, but still find it quite difficult. And uh, um, yeah, I guess during this talk, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a lot about how we're doing that. Uh, but that's our uh, goal, simply stated. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a pretty simple explanation. Um, essentially, it's uh, banknotes for cryptocurrencies. Uh, before we get to all of the nitty gritty details, um, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you ended up working in cryptocurrency. I mean, I imagine you didn't just wake up one day and decide you must have had some technology experience before getting into the crypto world. So, yeah, sure. Uh, Personally, I come from a background in technology. Um, Many years ago, I was involved in uh, uh, open source as an active committer in the FreeBSD project. And uh, later on, uh, I was CTO for quite a big uh, project back in Russia. And uh, later on, I started working with different uh, projects and startups on product and growth, uh, ended up in VC for a few years. And uh, just a couple of years back, uh, met with the, the team of uh, Tangem, and we just started working on this. And uh, it, it became so big so quickly, we all went in uh, full time on this and became co-founders. Um, Okay, that's that's pretty amazing, and uh, I, I do want to know more about the company. But you just mentioned uh, Russia, and I feel like it's probably worth telling the listeners that this is uh, a remote interview. You are uh, halfway across the world, and I am sweating my face off here in Toronto. Um, what is the crypto scene like 
where you are. I mean, Toronto's got a pretty big cryptocurrency scene. Everyone probably knows Ethereum and and loves it. But I'm curious as to what the crypto scene is like uh, outside of Canada. Uh, So I spent most of the last um, couple of years uh, in Asia between Hong Kong, Singapore, Shenzhen, and other very active places. Out here, um, the the speed uh, of innovation and the fearlessness, uh, even in the face of um, unsure regulation and all of that, is uh, just unparalleled. So I, I go back to places uh, like California and Europe, and uh, much innovation is done everywhere in the world, but... Uh, um, on the side of, you know, when you get out of your office and uh, actually try to do stuff in the real world, there's often so much red tape that it's quite uh, quite difficult to reach uh, real people. But uh, there, are, uh, there are quite interesting exceptions, uh, you, you know, that everyone uh, or a lot of people know about, it's, or countries like Austria and Switzerland, where... Some of the uh, some of the uh, organizational or regulatory stack is quite favorable, but still on the banking side uh, for businesses, it's difficult all around the world. Um, uh, in Asia, they they're trying to to make very quick progress. It's uh, it's really interesting. I wonder. Um do you think that there's more or less of a fear of regulatory bodies uh, outside of North America? I mean, I ask these questions because I mean, the only perspective I have is a, is a North American perspective. So I'm kind of curious as to what it's like around the world. Uh, sure. I think um, um, just generally because uh, North American uh, North American climate uh, is so civilized, you could even maybe sometimes say over-civilized uh, and, uh, and over-regulated. Uh, outside of it, you, you see things uh, feel more practical and uh, even at the government level, uh, they're quite eager to try uh, to try and fail and, and try again. Uh, so we see countries like India changing their regulatory stance back and forth and back and forth. And of course, that's volatile, but... I am well used to volatility in crypto, and that activity is very welcome to just be willing to go out and make mistakes, whereas in the North American climate, maybe that's less acceptable for political reasons. Everyone is trying to be extremely careful with that. So uh, that's how I feel. And Asia in particular, I think it's a very uh, service-oriented environment where people just expect... Uh, you know, if they want something, if they if if they have a goal around something, the government either doesn't um, get in in the way of that, or uh, is ready to look at what's happening and be very very practical uh, about it. That's really interesting. Well, okay, so let's talk a little bit about Tangent then. Um, where did the idea sort of spawn from? How did you come about uh, starting to work on this project? So uh, the story is quite short. So the story on the technology side goes like this. We uh, actually have one of the best secure microelectronics 
uh, teams uh, in the world, especially when it comes to natively programming a very special type of chip, the type of chip that's called the secure element, uh, the type of chip that um, allows uh, um, gadgets like iPhone to have Apple Pay, that's actually a separate microchip in the iPhone uh, responsible for that. And to program those chips, you, you really have to have very special skills. So um, as luck would have it, uh, our team was working for many, many years on different uh, projects that required that uh, sort of skills. And the latest project they did it was uh, um, to develop a whole uh, stack for SIM cards. So uh, starting from silicon and ending up in software and firmware um, and SIM cards, uh, they sound so simple, but actually it's one of the most secure uh, hardware in the world. You almost never hear about hacks uh, or uh, vulnerabilities in SIM cards because over the years they were so optimized to be invulnerable and hack-proof that right now um, it's almost impossible to, to break uh, into that type of infrastructure. So by the time, and that happened just a few years ago, they developed a whole complete stack and their own chip and their own operating system for the chip. And uh, uh, when crypto uh, started going crazy uh, and the team was already completing the, um, uh, the development stage of the project, uh, they, they just started looking where they can apply their special uh, skill set and immediately saw this opportunity to, to try to develop a new type of smart card based on uh, based on a similar type of chip, uh, but even more secure and more powerful. And it, it, it actually turned out to be possible. It, it was for a couple of years, it was impossible because the chips were just getting there. But last year, um, uh, Samsung became the first company to deliver a new type of chip that was secure, but also powerful enough to support uh, blockchain type cryptocurrency. So on the product side, though, uh, we just became we just uh, started looking, OK, we have a technology to uh, to to store crypto with uh, unprecedented security and simplicity, both. Uh, how do we use it? And we, we looked at the market and even um, 18 months ago, uh, our research showed that there are at least 2 billion people in the world that uh, knew about Bitcoin. They knew the word Bitcoin, they knew it was growing, and uh, they were interested, and they were curious to try. And out of the 2 billion people, again, we estimate only about 5 million active users, users who actually not just registered with some website, but also bought at least maybe 100 bucks worth of crypto, and that's just nothing. That's just a handful, handful, a tiny handful uh, of users around the world uh, that are involved. Uh, and the rest, maybe 99% uh, uh, of people, they remain curious, but they don't bother to try because it's still difficult. Um, so yeah. Right. So you, you think that the, uh, the, the biggest roadblock is the difficulty in entering the cryptocurrency world? So we see that every day. So in like uh, right now I'm in Hong Kong and we uh, here we work with 
companies like Genesis Block, and Genesis Block is a traditional uh, trader of crypto to to fiat and back, uh, mostly larger deals, and uh, they had to open up uh, actually to open up an offline space where people can go and learn about crypto, uh, and it takes them about thirty to forty minutes to introduce someone. Uh, to to crypto for the first time to teach them how to set up a ledger or a software wallet on their phones and even after those 30 40 minutes most people forget about it so they forget to write down uh, the the recovery phrase or whatnot and yeah it's it's extremely difficult for normal people so, so t- tell me how Tangem is making it easier for for us normal folk because I I, I I mean, I know a little bit about cryptocurrency from doing this podcast, but I consider myself a normal person. How are you making it easier for me to get into the world of cryptocurrency? Right. So, um, actually, on on the surface of it, we we don't make crypto um, absolutely easier. We just uh, we just convert the set of problems associated with. Uh, using crypto and getting it and keeping it safe from digital into physical. So basically what uh, our product does, which looks like a plastic card, a smart card, we call it a smart banknote. It's a little bit smaller than a credit card, a little bit thinner than a credit card, and it has this highly secure chip inside it, and it has this uh, so-called NFC interface, uh, the near field communication that is also used by Visa and MasterCard for uh, tap, you know, contactless payments. Uh, right. So, yeah, it, 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 it's a very short range, like below one inch um, range communication between um, this smart card and any smartphone that has NFC or any terminal that has uh, NFC functionality in it. Um, so this uh, this highly secure chip, when manufactured, uh, it can later be initialized by generating its own private key inside. Um, so it's like a, a, a secret uh, that only the chip will ever know. It it never discloses uh, the secret, and this secret is basically um, is basically what uh, what's keeping. Uh, cryptocurrency value inside these banknotes. So once initialized, uh, they can be loaded with uh, cryptocurrency, any type of it. We're focusing on Bitcoin, but we can we also do an Ether and uh, all kinds of tokens. And uh, by making uh, by making it this way, we basically turn crypto, which is a highly abstract digital concept, into something tangible and. Uh, um, and physical, hence our uh, name Tangem. So by by turning it physical, we basically tap into the skills that uh, the set of skills that almost every human on earth has, and those skills uh, we call paper cash skills. So from from the age of three or four years old, almost everyone on earth is taught about paper cash. And actually, this is not a simple concept. Paper cash, you have to learn about it. You have to learn that a piece of paper can be extremely valuable, that you have to keep it safe to maintain that value, and that if you give it to another person physically, that's basically a transaction. So 
uh, we we just uh, we just learned how using this uh, new uh, microchip technology to turn crypto physical and to tap into that set of skills that everyone has and people understand people suddenly can use their existing skills to manage crypto so yeah. So is the idea here that uh, I get one of these cards, I load it up, and I can just hand it to somebody the same way that I would hand them cash? Right. Yeah, because uh, usually what's happening in crypto to make a transaction uh, between two people to, set, to, to give someone your crypto or to receive crypto from someone, uh, you have to do it in software. You have to have a phone with a special app, or you have to have an online account with Coinbase or some some other online account with an exchange. And you log in, or you 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 uh, use your app, and you tap uh, the address of the other person, which is like this uh, long string of digits. Um, and it's very, very complicated and error-prone for most people still. Even if you use QR codes, it's still, most people, uh, the, the way the apps are done, uh, they're still very early stage and rudimentary. The user experience for people already in crypto, it's okay because they learned, but for 99% of people who heard about Bitcoin and wanted to try but haven't yet, it's excruciatingly painful to learn about it. And even if they do, most of them still lose money because they forget a passphrase or they get hacked or something else happens that just basically prevents them from using their value. And the point is crypto uh, is has to be under your control. There's, uh, there are no banks. The, the, the infrastructure, most of responsibility for keeping crypto safe and managing it safely is uh, on the end user. There's no one to, if you lose it, there's no one to call to recover it, right? So uh, we, what we are trying to do and what we did is uh, by turning it physical, we we place it under your physical control. So once you, and like the, the target is very simple and already we have stores in Singapore and Hong Kong that are selling this directly to consumer. You go to a store, you, you pay them, uh, traditional money like fiat or like uh, uh, credit card or cash and you get physical bitcoin on our plastic cards that are denominated right now we have two denominations it's one is 0.01 bitcoin it's uh, roughly uh, 80 usd right now and the other denomination is 0.05 Bitcoin is roughly 400 USD right now, uh, the uh, the today's rate. And uh, so these are two banknotes. We, we're actually targeting roughly 100 USD uh, worth uh, of Bitcoin on one banknote to 500 USD uh, worth of Bitcoin on one banknote. Those denominations we arrived at before starting, we looked at some of the experiments that uh, were done around the world. For example, the, the Bitcoin house in Paris started selling Bitcoin on physical form. They used Ledger to do that. So uh, Ledger um, at that time was, I think, 70 euros uh, or about, what, 80 USD, uh, the, the cost of it. And at some point uh, in Paris, they, um, they started selling it loaded with crypto. So anyone could come and pay uh, cash or credit card and get a ledger with some crypto on it. 
And uh, for a time, there was a, a huge line, like hundreds of people suddenly wanted Bitcoin in this form because it was easy. They just paid money and they got something physical with Bitcoin on it. And uh, the the average checkout was around 300 euros or like 350, 400 USD. And so that's what we started with. And uh, yeah, the difference from Ledger is with Ledger, you're supposed to have a backup. Um, and the backup is basically the the secret that's controlling access to to your funds, to, to your cryptocurrency. Uh, you you write it down uh, once it's on the ledger itself, and once you write it down on a piece of paper and place in a safe um, in a safe spot, um, so that if you ever lose your ledger or if something happens to it, you can get that uh, piece of paper and recover access to your funds. The problem with that is if somebody else recovers that piece of paper, then even if you have your ledger still with you, you lose all your money immediately. And if somebody caught you writing down that uh, secret on a piece of paper, they could, you know, take uh, another copy of it. They could just, you know, wherever you're doing it, they could spy on you, something like that. And they would wait. They would wait until you load your uh, ledger with more and more funds. And at any point in the future, they can just take all of it. So. Right. Uh, our whole technology is uh, basically the the chip is the only place in the whole universe to hold a, to hold a unique secret to to the funds that are loaded on on that chip. So every banknote we produce it uh, it is initialized with a unique uh, private key that only the chip ever knows. Like we don't know it, the factory does does not know it. The chip comes up with it. It has its own cryptographic, cryptographically safe random number generator uh, that is certified to uh, uh, to one of the highest levels of security for electronics like this. It comes out with its, uh, the, its own secret and never discloses uh, it under any circumstances. So long story short, as long as you hold uh, the smart banknote, you can be absolutely sure that uh, uh, there's no copy of, of the secret controlling the funds and that basically whatever is loaded on the banknote is under your complete physical control until you lose it physically or something or destroy it physically. Which right, is so much, much, much like cash, uh, you know, it's up to you to keep it safe. But if you can, you know, if you have your hands on it, no one else is going to be able to get it. Right. right. So uh, once the 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 Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency it is that people are buying is spent on the card. Uh, what happens to the cards? So um, there are two ways to work with smart banknotes with, or we call them tangent notes as well. And the easiest is, um, and this is really cool. The easiest is you, you can make physical transactions with them. So you just mentioned that you can just, um, you can just take uh, a tangible smart banknote loaded with 0 .0, uh, 0.01 Bitcoin, which is 80 bucks uh, uh, USD dollars right now, and you can just give it to another person, uh, sort of like a paper, uh, paper cash bill. And that's it. Uh, the other person would use 
if they don't trust you, if they don't know you, they would use uh, an iPhone or an Android device uh, with NFC to quickly tap the banknote and validate it. And the validation is basically authenticated, authenticating the manufacturer and the, the value of the banknote. It takes less than a second. It's, uh, if you know, uh, like when some organizations of people are accepting large value banknotes, sometimes they use devices like ultraviolet lights to just check the validity, the authenticity of a banknote. Right. It's something like that, except uh, even UV light can be tricked by very high standards uh, counterfeit currency. But NFC, um, it's impossible to trick because it's uses it's using cryptography. It does not rely on any physical aspects of the of the banknote. It's uh, it's doing a so-called challenge response with uh, with a banknote. So it's basically sending it a bunch of uh, random uh, text. Uh, your uh, yeah, uh, and. Uh, um, uh, and the banknote signs it with a digital signature, and by the time that's done, uh, you, you can be 100% sure that a counterfeit is not possible. So basically, you can make physical transactions with it, and that's the strongest, I think, aspect of, uh, of Tangem Notes, is uh, uh, you, you can make these transactions, which are always immediate. You don't have to wait 10 minutes or like you don't ha have to wait for confirmations. They're always immediate. They're always free. Uh, so you don't have to pay transactions free, trans transaction uh, fees when you physically transfer them from person to person. And they're anonymous because the physical transaction is happening off chain. So it's happening in the real world. There's nothing happening online to parallel it. So you just physically transfer, because instead of transferring from a wallet address to a wallet address, you basically transfer the whole wallet from person to person. So smart banknotes, each of them is basically a hardware wallet. So that's the physical way to make transactions. But uh, there's also a digital way to, to communicate with these smart banknotes, because using an Android phone, you can also extract the funds that are loaded on uh, any smart banknote to any uh, other wallet uh, in the world. So you, you can you can transfer, you can uh, use your, your Android phone to send a special command to the banknote and the chip will itself sign uh, a cryptocurrency transaction uh, and it will, the cryptocurrency will go to any wallet you, you specify. For security purposes, uh, that operation takes a couple of minutes. Uh, so it, uh, it only takes a fraction of a second to actually make it, but the chip requires perfect contact with uh, your smartphone for a couple of minutes just to make sure uh, that, you know, while you're carrying your smart banknotes around, uh, nobody can um, trick you into, you know, extracting your funds to their smartphones. So if somebody asks you, can I see your smart banknote for a second? Uh, as long as you keep it in your, uh, in your site uh, for, you know, as long as you don't leave it out of your site for more than a minute, then uh, you're completely safe. But if, if somebody had it in their hands and out of your site, for like a couple of minutes, then you have to double check. When they give it back, you have to double check that they didn't extract it. So anyway, yeah, once you extract all of it, it's reusable. So you can top it up again with any, actually with any amount of cryptocurrencies. 
So all these smart banknotes act uh, as this special type of super secure hardware wallets, and uh, they're reusable forever. And they work. They're certified to to work for. 400 years in uh, in normal conditions, uh, like 25 degrees Celsius. Um, and yeah, they're quite sturdy uh, pieces of hardware. I mean, it all sounds really interesting. You answered a bunch of the questions I was just about to ask. Um, but okay, so if I'm physically transacting with them, I imagine that there's a, a little bit of a cost for the banknote itself. Um, right. So... How much is it for uh, a banknote? Just the just the note. I mean, forget about the the currency. Because if I'm going to be giving this to someone to pay for them, I'm just wondering what the what extra cost there might be. Uh, so uh, right now, um, at the, like, when we produce a million of them um, as a batch, it's uh, about uh, two dollars, two US dollars uh, per banknote for us to produce. When we produce smaller batches, it's uh, anywhere between uh, two and five USD per banknote for us. So, so the smallest batches we have, the smallest am amount of them uh, we can print at any single time is uh, a few thousand. We we can sometimes print as uh, as few as one thousand, but actually, like the the smallest uh, official batch we we have is like ten thousand at the factory because this is mass production. Right. And those levels, it's it's closer to a few bucks. Um, uh, so um, the point is um, because uh, b because it's infinitely reusable. Um, we when we uh, introduce it to the market, the the loaded banknote it's always trading in the in the open market in the streets. You could say it's always trading above. The payload. So, if the payload is eighty bucks, it will just trade at maybe eighty-five bucks, right? So, once you get into this, once you buy some physical cryptocurrency using our uh, product, you never lose the value. So, um, it, it, it's like it's always going to be included in the in the cost in the price of banknote in the street. Right. So. If, if you buy it empty for five bucks and load it with eighty bucks worth of cryptocurrency, then it will trade in the market as uh, at the payload plus the the cost of production. So um, I, I think yeah, this uh, the, the there's no problem with that uh, as long as people realize that it it just trade in because of that cost of production. It just trade in slightly above uh, uh, above market rate of what's inside of it. Right, and we. Even, you know, in Hong Kong, when you go to currency exchanges, they have, uh, you know, Hong Kong and Singapore as, as the two financial powerhouses, they actually were built on top of money exchangers historically, and still it's a very vibrant industry here. So if you go to some of the money exchanges here in, in, in Hong Kong, they have different rates for US dollar bills um, uh, of the current generation, uh, you know, the blue ones with all the security features. Uh, so they have one rate for those, but if you have some of the older ones, uh, like from ten years back and and uh, and more, then they have a lower rate for that. They will pay you. Uh, will, they will tell you another rate, a lower rate, if you're selling the older uh, US dollar banknotes. Right. So I think yeah, there's an inherent uh, value in uh, in in secure cash 
Uh, for sure. I mean, I was in Myanmar a little while ago, and they wouldn't even take my old U.S. currency for that same reason. Um, okay, so it sounds to me like it's not just for people who uh, are a little bit hesitant to get into the crypto market. It also sounds like a pretty solid way to cold store uh, cryptocurrency if I want to if I want to take it offline. Yeah, correct. We just. Um uh, we're just looking at the market and the scale that we're interested in is at least tens to hundreds of millions uh, of units and uh, uh, the same number of people. Uh, so uh, to give you a reference, uh, last year Ledger sold 1 million devices uh, and two days that they said like from start to, to today, they sold about 1.5 million devices in total ever. Uh, and that sort of scale, like w right now we have 1 million chips uh, in our warehouse, so we can print a million banknotes uh, at very, very low cost relatively in, in a couple of weeks. So that scale is, uh, is not extremely interesting to us. Um, and uh, we, we will still cater, we're still, uh, we're still managing our products to be useful to all kinds of people, for cold storage, and we're of course uh, talking to a lot of exchanges and uh, uh, custodianships about this. And we think right now it seems like we're the most secure way to, to store crypto uh, in the world because it's um, it's a very simple and secure electronic solution. Um, but and like we we've been verified as that by companies uh, like Kudelsky Security. Uh, that says auditing our whole infrastructure and uh, security architecture and firmware on the chip. Uh, but we're really, the, the whole goal is to reach billions of people with this. And I think uh, that goal is only reachable with this type of technology, uh, whereas cold storage solutions, they're relatively niche. Um, so, yeah, that's the situation. Right. Yeah, so, but I guess I just, I, it has multifaceted. It has a multifaceted application, I think, and uh, I, I, it also looks pretty. So I think that, uh, you know, you're going to be able to attract a lot of people to it. And I, I, I wish you guys a lot of luck. Let me just ask you a couple questions before I let you go about the crypto world in general. Are there any projects out there other than your own, obviously, that you're keeping an eye on? Uh, sure. So uh, I've been keeping an eye on crypto since uh, about 2010. And uh, uh, most of what I've seen is um, quite interesting, but uh, it's either rehashing or reinvention of you know uh, old concepts, or um, uh, or just noise. But there were a couple of projects, and I'm I'm still very curious about Zcash because um, uh, and generally zero knowledge uh, proof uh, applied to cryptocurrencies because it mathematically guarantees anonymity. And I think if we're building a new internet, a, a whole new layer of uh, human interaction on top of a technology to build um, mathematically guaranteed privacy and anonymity into this could, could be groundbreaking. Basically, you guarantee that, uh, who, you know, you, you, you're mathematically protected from uh, both the governments, uh, whether they're belligerent or uh, or benign, and uh, any bad actors to to violate your your privacy. Uh, on top of that, 
I'm still quite so we we didn't mention much um, uh, in in the last half an hour, but uh, scalability remains a number one concern for crypto. Uh, basically, for every existing cryptocurrency, including Bitcoin and Ether, it has been uh, consistently proven that they don't scale, uh, and that's the elephant in the room that we'll have to face. So Tangem, without technology, we sort of provide a stopgap solution for that because uh, physical transactions, they are infinitely scalable. Uh, with 1 million of our, even 100,000 of our banknotes, you can conduct uh, many more uh, transactions that are right now possible uh, in, on the Bitcoin network or on Ethereum network. Uh, but that's not the, the, that's just a stopgap solution because our physical transactions they have to be made in the physical world, whereas we also have to come up with uh, 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 with a digital scalable solution. And on that end, I I find Stellar uh, one of the most promising projects, mostly because I believe it's incredibly hard uh, for engineers to come up with uh, globally scalable. Uh, technologies, but Jed McCaleb, the founder and the inventor behind Stellar and Ripple before that, he actually did that multiple times. So maybe 15 years ago, he came up with eDonkey protocol, which was one of the first uh, multi-million scale file sharing protocol, extremely successful. So I trust his engineering genius, engineering brain to come up with something that has potential. So yeah, zero knowledge proofs and Zcash in particular and uh, scalability solutions uh, such as uh, Stellar, uh, I find uh, quite interesting to follow. All right. Well, uh, you heard it here first, guys. Keep your eyes on those. But most importantly, then the last question I'm going to ask you is if people want more information on Tangem and how they can get their hands on these magical little cards, where can they go to find it? Right. So obviously you can come to uh, our website, tangem.com, uh, and uh, get your hands on some of our early uh, early kits. But uh, uh, be, be, you know, um, uh, rest assured, we're coming to you. So our number one goal right now is global, uh, global availability everywhere locally. We're partnering with stores and uh, uh, distributors and resellers everywhere around the world. We're coming up. Uh, we're coming out with uh, a merchant-oriented solution very soon to help um, anyone around the world be um, be the gateway to crypto to everyone around them. So uh, yeah, we we we're reaching out. To, uh, to all the markets around the world. And hopefully, wherever you are, you will soon be able to, uh, to find it locally uh, in a store not very far from you. Okay, great. Well, uh, just so you guys, uh, if you want, there will be links to the show notes, but uh, it's also Tangem, T-A-N-G-E-M. Um, thanks for sitting down and chatting with me. I really appreciate you uh, explaining some of this to all of us. And uh, I hope to uh, get one of those notes soon and be physically spending it. Thank you so much for having me. So that was great. I think it's a great idea. 
and I can't wait to see people walking around spending cryptocurrency. Maybe one day you'll be able to load your bits on there. Thanks for listening, guys. And as always, don't forget to visit buns at bunz.com or download the app on the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Until next time.